So uh, choosing breakthrough, because breakthrough doesn't just happen most of the time. Freedom doesn't just happen. We have to make choices. We have to make decisions, right? And so let's do a little review and see if we can remember these. Before Andrew puts each of these up on the screen, I'm going to give you a second of awkwardness. You don't need to yell it out. I'm just, this is just for you to try to see if you can remember. So the first choice that we talked about, and these are all kind of in sequential order, is, do you remember? Don't, don't yell it out. Just, do you remember? Okay. It's the humility choice, okay? The humility choice. And the humility choice is I can't. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death, right? The humility choice is I come to the place of recognizing I can't, I can't do this. I can't, I'm helpless. I'm powerless. Like in and of myself, I don't have the answers anymore, right? That leads to the second choice. Do you remember what that is? Well, I, you're not supposed to yell it out. I'm trying to, trying to this is like, okay, I, I get that. Okay. The second choice is the hope choice, and the hope choice is God can. God has the power. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that I recognize that he has all the answers. He has all the wisdom. He has all the provision. He is the one who can free me. He is the source of breakthrough, right? Leads to the third choice, which is don't say it out loud. Think about it. Do you remember what it was? It's the commitment choice. And the commitment choice is I'm going to let him, like I'm going to, I choose to continually commit all of my life and my will to Christ's care and to his control. The, the commitment choice is I'm all in, I'm burning the ships, and uh, there's not going to be anything or anyone that's going to get in the way of me being all in with God, that, that I'm going to be totally dedicated and committed to him. It leads to the fourth choice. The fourth choice is the middle choice. It's the hinge choice. It's probably the most difficult of the choices, and that is the confession choice. And the confession choice is I recognize that sometimes there's some sins or maybe there's some hurts that I've experienced or maybe there's just some just habits or, or whatever it would be that, 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 I, that I've, never, I've never expressed to God or or to myself, and so I, I confess those things to God and to myself, but I also recognize there's some things that I need to confess to others. And it may not even be like a person that I've hurt, it may be a trusted, mature, godly person. I just sit across from him and I say, hey, I, I need to confess this thing. And James chapter 5 talks about the healing that we can experience through confession. Last week we talked about, and this might be a hard one because you're like, I don't remember what you talked about last week, and I get that, but last week we talked about the next choice, which is the identity choice. And the identity choice is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start choosing to believe what God says about me. Not those tracks that are on auto-repeat, things that others spoke over me or about me, coaches or a grandfather or an uncle or tends to be these male figures, maybe a mom. Someone who said something, that, and, and now I go through life thinking that this is the truth about myself. The identity choice is I'm going to think about what God says about me. Meditating on things like Ephesians chapter 1, realizing that God has a new declaration over my life, right? Now today, we're, th this is the second to last one. Some of you are like, I was wondering how many choices there's going to be, right? Like this is the sixth choice, and this is a big one. It's a big one for so many people in this room. It's the forgiveness choice. The forgiveness choice. And the forgiveness, we already talked about the confession choice. The confession choice, remember, is me confessing my stuff. But sometimes there's people who have hurt me. There's people who have broken relationship with me. And so I got, I got, to, I got to deal with that stuff. In fact, a lot of the hurts and habits and hang-ups in our lives are directly related to the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the grudges that we are holding on to of how we have been hurt 
Something I didn't, I didn't agree to. I didn't want it to happen. It happened to me. It was at the hands of another person. It was the words of another person. But I've got to be able to forgive that. The forgiveness choice is I will forgive those who hurt me and when possible seek forgiveness from those I have hurt. And so we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 18, and I want you to turn to this. It's a long account. In fact, it's so long that we didn't even try to put it up on the screens. And so Matthew chapter 18, whether you're looking at an app on your phone or uh, you have a traditional uh, Bible, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to need some help this morning. Uh, I need uh, three individuals to help me. I haven't asked them ahead of time, and so right now everyone in the room is sweating, but I have some names in my mind. Uh, Josh Vandergriff, I think you'd be a great help. Josh Vandergriff, come on down. You can come up these steps right over here and uh, you know Dan had this great big smile when I said Josh's name so Dan Colvin you can come on down as well and there's too many from that side so now we got to get somebody over on this side and uh, Thomas Davies you know you just did such a good job playing the guitar this morning you know I need you all the way up here you're gonna you have to come up onto the platform Matthew chapter 18 so Matthew chapter 18, we're going to begin with verse 23, and Peter comes up to Jesus, and he says, listen, I got a huge question I got to ask you, like, how many times should I forgive people who have sinned against me? And I got to imagine that there's, like, sometimes we just keep reading, and I think sometimes there's pauses that we don't see, and I think it was probably like this awkward pause. And Peter never liking awkwardness. Peter never liked silence. And so finally Peter kind of answers his own question. He, he answers kind of almost with the question, he's like, seven times? Like in Peter's mind, he's thinking seven times is pretty big. Like that's a pretty big number. I'm gonna, would that be enough? And Jesus looks at Peter, and I think probably with a twinkle in his eye, because this is how I see Jesus. Jesus goes, no, uh, how about 70 times seven? Now when I was a kid, like I was pretty good at math. So I was like, 490, all right, we got this, right? And have you ever seen those like little clicker things? You know, you count people with the clickers. And so I've always imagined, you know, carrying around like a little clicker and just waiting for the day that the clicker gets to like 490. You're like, there we go, 490. Like, I don't have to forgive you anymore. But that's, that's not what Jesus meant when he said that, right? Like, he meant like, you just keep forgiving, right? So then Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he starts telling a story regarding this issue of forgiveness. And so in order to do this story right, you know what, I'm going to have, uh, oh, this, we could have fun with this. I'm going to have you go all the way back to like the door real quick. And Josh, you're going to be my landowner, you're going to be my king. And uh, then that, you're going to have to do a balancing act here. I didn't bring any barrettes. Uh, anyways, of, of keeping that in your hair. I know, the cameras are already coming out. This is wonderful. And so we're going to pick up in verse 23. Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And he couldn't, he couldn't pay it. And so the master said, You know what? It's got to be paid. You have this... This is going to be you. We'll do it right side. He, he's got these debts, right? And, and, and literally, this is so much money, and, the, and there's no way that he can pay it. Ye debts. I like that. Okay. And, and there's no way. There's no way that he can pay this. And so he's brought to the landowner. He's brought to the king. And the king goes, well, there's only one answer. We're going to have to throw you in debtor's prison. You're going to have to sell all of your stuff, and your family's going to have to go in there. And, and that's just the way it's going to have to be, right? And then Jesus says that something happens. 
This guy is, I mean, when you think about debtor's prison, and there's no way I can pay this. Like, I mean, we could be in debtor's prison until I die, and you could sell everything I own. There's no, I mean, look at those numbers. That's millions of dollars. There's no way that he could pay this. And so the only thing that he has left is to humble himself. And so he falls on his knees. You know what this means. And he starts begging him. I mean, he's literally like, he's on his knees. He's begging him, please have mercy, right? And you're looking at this face, you'd be like, there's no mercy. There's, there's no mercy coming from him. But surprise of surprises, the king goes, you know what? At great expense to the king, to the landowner, I'm going to for completely forgive your debts. You don't owe me another dime Go, enjoy your family, enjoy your life. The, the ledger's clean, I paid for it myself. Can you imagine the glee, right? This guy, I need a skip or I need some kind of like, you know, the legs knocking together. There, yeah, there we go, like the great glee, right? And with, this would be a great story if it just ended there. But you know, every great story has conflict and has tension. And if you thought we already got to the conflict and tension, you're wrong, we have not. It goes on, it says, but the man, uh, or, uh, okay, verse 28, but when the man, Thomas, the guy who's just had all of his debts forgiven, when he left the king, he went to a fellow servant, come on in, Dan. He goes to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He's just been forgiven of millions of dollars, now he finds someone who actually owed him maybe $1,000, several thousand dollars. And scripture says, I'm not making this up, so we're going to need this acted out. He grabs him by the throat and demanded instant payment. <laughs> not too hard. Don't have too much fun with this. His fellow servant did something that should have clicked. Like as soon as he did this, it should have been like, oh crap, what am I doing, right? His fellow servant fell down before him. And, and fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Uh, you got to go to prison. Out the door, dude. See you later. Hasta la vista. Goodbye. He throws a guy in prison, right? When some of the other servants saw this, you guys are some of the other servants, you're seeing this, this is unjust, like how could he do this, right? They were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. <laughs> Hoping for some more force there. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king, I need an angry look. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. There you go. And then Jesus says these words. Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Can we give it up for these guys? Thank you so much. You can, I, know, I know you wanted to keep it. <laughs> I, 
I know you wanted to keep that crown, but can I just tell you, as funny as we tried to make this story, um, I'm uncomfortable with this story. But Jesus told this story, and every time Jesus tells a story, every time Jesus makes a statement, he does it to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring change into our lives. And so already we realize that I can choose to forgive because I have been forgiven. Honestly, the reason why this story is so uncomfortable is because it's my story and it's your story. We owe God a debt that is absolutely unpayable. There's no way that we could ever begin to pay God for what he has done for us. When you look at how we've, our actions, the lack of generosity that we've shown, the lack of compassion that we've shown others, when you, look at, when you look at how we violated other people's trust, when you look at our selfishness, when you look at our greed, when you look at all of our sins, there's no way we could pay it off. And we're like the servant who says, have mercy on me. I, can't, I don't know how to do this. Please don't send me into that place. And God responds with love. He responds with mercy. And he takes on that. The debt doesn't just like flutter into the, the universe. Like the debt still has to be paid. So the king pays for it himself. In our case, it cost Jesus his life as he went to the cross to pay the punishment of our sins. If we worked as hard as we could, if we kept every commandment from now until the day we die, if we never said an unkind word to another person, if we were never in another bad mood for the rest of our lives, it wouldn't be enough. So because I have received mercy, because you have received mercy and forgiveness from God, we can forgive others, right? A plus B equals C. God forgives me, I forgive you, right? Except for it doesn't work that way usually, does it? There's a problem. I don't like to forgive, and probably you don't like to forgive either. So instead of God forgives me and I forgive you, more typically it is God forgives me, I don't forgive you. So many of us in this room, we can be like the ungrateful servant when it comes to our sins, to our weaknesses, to our failures. We want mercy from God. God, please have mercy on me. I want mercy from others. I want the people in my life who I have wounded to look at me and say, Ken, I know you had a hard day. I know it's been rough. I know you've been through a season, and so yeah, what you said hurt me, but I forgive you. We're good. Like, I want that from others. But when I'm the one being wounded, so many times I'm not interested in showing mercy. Instead, I want to show justice. You hurt me, and now you need to pay. You wounded me, you're going to suffer. If you don't like it, too bad. And, and by the way, I reserve the right to bring this up at any point in the future, Whenever I feel like it. Whenever the conversation demands me to remember how you wounded me 17 years ago. But listen again to the reaction of the king when he hears about his servant's actions. This is beginning with verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. 
Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. I was looking at this in some of the other translations. Some translations will put it this way. He put him to the tormentors, put him to be tortured, put the screws to him, put him in jail. And you know, sometimes we look at it and we go, wow, God, man, how could you be so cruel? But, but I kind of look at it differently. See, if you are not forgiving others, you are creating a torture chamber for yourself. If you hold on to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, you are actually setting up a wall around your own heart. We construct our own prison. James once wrote these words. This is the half-brother of Jesus. He says, this is so humbling. He says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. I just want you to think about that, that line again. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. I think we can all agree this forgiveness thing is a big deal. It's a huge deal in God's eyes. I'm not sure who, who wrote this. I looked on Google trying to find the source I've seen it in several different places, but there's this quote, as long as we are unable to forgive, we keep ourselves chained to the unforgiving. We give them rent-free space in our mind, emotional shackles in our heart, and the right to torment us in the small hours of the night. That's exactly what unforgiveness does. To forgive in the Greek means to release. So when we're talking about forgiveness, what, what we're actually talking about is this, is this ability or, or this choice or this decision to release somebody else. I, I don't have to hold on to you and to what you did any longer. I like to think of it as a follower of Jesus that I'm releasing them to God, to his care, to his justice. He, he can take care of matters way better than I can, so I don't have to have my fingers on this. I, I can release you and let God deal with the situation. When we talk about forgiveness, I bring this up a lot when, whenever I talk about forgiveness because I, in my conversations, 23 years of ministry, I find that so many of us have um, these ideas when it comes to forgiveness, these excuses that keep us from forgiving, and, and so I want to just share a few things of what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not pretending that you haven't been hurt. I think sometimes we feel like, well, I still feel this hurt and so I can't forgive. Yeah, yeah, you will still feel the hurt. And we're not saying that you should pretend that that person didn't do bad things or didn't say wrong things to you. But release them. Release them. People will say, but Ken, I was hurt. And I will say, I can't even imagine. I, I don't even, I'm not going to try to say, oh, I know how it feels. I don't have a clue of how it feels. I can't imagine the hurt that you've experienced. But now, by not forgiving, you are hurting yourself. We all know that. We see that in others, don't we? It's so easy to see it in others. But so many times it's so difficult to see it in ourselves. Forgiveness, secondly, is not pretending that the other person wasn't wrong. 
And so I think if I release them, I'm letting them, like, they're, they're getting off. Like, that's, that's wrong. That's not even just, Ken, right? Like, sometimes there are legal consequences, and I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about from my perspective of me being the judge and the jury, we're not pretending that the other person wasn't wrong. I've, I've used this illustration so many times, but it's something that I talk to my kids about so often, especially when they were younger. If, if, if I go up to you, if I go up to Chip Reed over here and I punch him in the face, which by the way, looking at Chip would be a really stupid idea for me to do, okay? He's built, he's a lumberjack, like literally, seriously, he's a lumberjack, and so I would be an idiot. But let's say I punch him in the face, right? And for whatever reason, God gives him a holy, like, ability to, to not react, right? And let's say a couple hours later, a couple days later, I come up to Chip and I say, you know what, Chip, I'm really sorry about what I did. You know, and for whatever reason, in, in our culture, we feel like the response should be, that Chip's response should be when somebody says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. We feel like the response should be, it's okay. I don't know where that came from. But I would hear my kids, I don't know if it came from school, or I think sometimes it happened even before like they went to school. So somehow it's ingrained to say it's okay. And, but, but here's the problem, it's not okay. Like if Chip says to me, it's okay, then I go, all right, well, the next time I'm in a bad mood, I'll punch you in the face again. Right? Because he said it's okay. The, the response isn't it's okay. The response is I forgive you. What you did was not okay. What you did was, in fact, wrong. But I am making a choice to forgive you. I'm making a choice to release you. See, here, here's forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision I make to release, that's the word we've been talking about, to release the person who has hurt me. I'm making a decision. I'm making a choice. Regardless of how I feel, if you're waiting until you feel like it, you probably won't do it, especially depending on the level of hurt that you've experienced. So many people, well, I, 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 I'm waiting for God to, to change me and to, and to cause me to, to feel like forgiving. You won't feel like forgiving. It's a choice. It's a decision I make to release the person who has hurt me. And I love this line. I'm no longer allowing someone else's actions or attitudes to dictate my actions and my attitudes. I'm not going to allow their actions and attitudes to dictate my actions or attitudes. Because here's, here's the problem, and I've seen this, and you've seen this. Hurt people hurt people. So I've got these excuses. I'm so hurt. What they did to me was so wrong. They violated me. I, I should have never gone through this. This is so wrong. And I, and I get so filled with bitterness, and I start putting up a wall around me and, and trying to keep the people who love me out. And in the process, I end up hurting people who had nothing to do with the hurt that I originally experienced. And we see this all the time, don't we? You've experienced this. Now, Usually about now, the pushback is, well, if they would just come, and like in the story even, like if they would just come and fall to my feet and beg for forgiveness and acknowledge how wrong they were, Ken, I'd be able to forgive them. And can I just tell you, you're, it would make it so much easier, wouldn't it? There's a relationship several years ago, a person who's been a friend for years, they did something extremely hurtful. I decided, you know, I prayed about it, and 
I decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to see if I can go to lunch with them and just explain. Like, you probably don't realize it. I was really, I tried to use the I statements. I tried to do it all. Instead of going in, you did this, you were, I tried, you, you know, I, I felt this way. And he just looked, looked me in the eyes and he was like, I don't see it that way. Oh, okay. I remember just being like, it would have been so much easier if you had been like, oh, Ken, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I, sh- I shouldn't have done it. Like, oh, man, we could have resolution, right? It, it's so much harder when they look you in the eyes and say, no, I didn't. I didn't do that. You're the idiot. You know, you're the, you're the one who has issues. You're the one who needs to be, I didn't have anything to do with that. Like, that makes it so much harder, doesn't it? I think of how easy, if they would just fall to my feet, I'm so sorry, would you please forgive me? I was so wrong, that was so evil, I'm an evil person, forgive me. They're there, I'll release you. But you know in those moments, my eyes go to Jesus. And I think about the foot of Jesus' cross, right? And I think about all of the injustice, the weight of injustice that Jesus experienced in just a few short hours. The trial. I mean, this trial was ridiculous. It was a joke. The torture. I mean, that wasn't called for, right? All the different ways that these soldiers who just had this malevolent, I mean, they, they just malicious, right? And, and the way they tortured him. And, and even as he's having these spikes like driven through his wrists and through his ankles. And, and now he's hoisted up on this cross. And if that wasn't even like enough, like these, the, the crowd, even the religious leaders, the pastors and the priests are walking by and they're spitting on him. Some people say it would have been common for people to have urinated on them as they're on the cross. Like, I mean, just despicable. The things that people would shout and the things that they would say. In fact, Scripture says this in Mark 15, 13. They shouted back, crucify him. Can you imagine being Jesus? And here are these crowds of people. I mean, he's looking at people who had been there for miracles, who had been there for healing. People who had been there when he multiplied the food. People who had, and now he looks, and they're, they're screaming at me like red rage in their faces. Crucify him. Mark 15, 29 through 30. It says, and the people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You can destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, can you? Well, then save yourself. Come down from the cross. I mean, they're mocking him. You're the son of God. Save yourself. Luke 23, verse 34 says something. I, I, I've been a Christian Almost my entire life, and I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around these words. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. Like, literally in the moment. I mean, I can, I can almost, I could almost imagine, like, maybe, like, after his resurrection, <laughs> Right before his ascension, <laughs> like in the moment even. I can't imagine that Jesus felt like saying that. But he said these words that were so powerful. Forgive them, Father. There, there's some that suggest, some scholars that suggest that the Greek here is repeated, repetitive. 
That it's not just a one and done. Jesus doesn't just say, Father, forgive them, and then he's, oh, okay, got that done and over with. But like that repeatedly through the process, he's going, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. See, when I'm thinking about making that choice to release someone who has hurt me, if I just look at it in the vacuum of what they've done to me, it can be really difficult. This idea, I'm going to make a choice to release them. Their actions and attitudes are no longer going to affect my actions or attitudes. Like, that seems really, really hard. It seems like I could never do that. But when I zoom out and I look at what the king has done for me, and I look at the debt, the absolute unpayable debt that he canceled at his own expense, I've got to forgive. I've got to make the choice. So here's a question. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to release? See, we're talking about making choices for breakthrough, making choices for freedom. Some of you, the obstacle to experiencing the freedom and the breakthrough that God has for you is you've been walking around with bitterness, offense, a grudge. And God says, I have breakthrough for you. I have freedom for you. But you've got to make a choice to release this person who has hurt you. It doesn't mean you've got to trust them. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. And sometimes you can forgive somebody from a distance. Relationships change throughout the years. And sometimes a friendship that was close isn't going to be the same as it used to be. But it's incumbent upon me as a follower of Jesus to make the decision whether I feel like it or not, I choose to release you. I trust God's justice system better than I trust my own. I'm going to release you. Who do you need to release? Who do you need to forgive? We're going to take a few moments. Carrie's just going to play silently and probably about 30, 40 seconds. This is going to seem like an infinity for some of you. You're going to be so uncomfortable during this time. But I'm going to ask everyone to, because I think what happens is some of us go, I don't need to forgive anybody. I'm good. And then the Holy Spirit will bring someone to your mind and you go, oh, crap. So we're going to take about 30, 40 seconds. I just want you to honestly, if you would, I dare you, just say, God, I give you permission in these next few seconds to bring to my mind anybody that I have bitterness toward. So first things first, before we get into the issue of who you need to forgive, 
Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize, I need forgiveness. Maybe you walked in this room this morning and you thought, man, there's no way God could forgive me after what I did this week. There's no way God could love me. There's no way God could have mercy for me. And we already read in Matthew 18 that he absolutely has forgiveness for you. If there's any message that we received at the cross, it's that he absolutely has forgiveness for you. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you need to receive the forgiveness of God for yourself. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never humbled yourself and said, Jesus, take over my life. You be the master and leader. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you stand up or have you come forward. We believe that baptism, which, by the way, we have coming up on November 21st, that's the way we publicly express our commitment to Christ. But if you're here and you say, Ken, I need Christ's forgiveness. I need him to forgive me of my sins, to be the master and leader of my life. We won't embarrass you, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Anybody else? Several of you this morning. Yeah. I see that hand too. You can put your hand down after you've raised it. Yeah. Four of you this morning. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. If you raised your hand, can I just invite you to pray this prayer? In fact, I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to pray this with me. And this isn't some magic formula. You say these exact words and poof, the magic happens. It's, it's really meaning these things in our hearts. But we confess these things with our mouth as well. So would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. I am the servant that had an unpayable debt and you canceled it. Thank you for Jesus. I believe he is the son of God that died on the cross for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead and you have the power that I need. Empower me to live for you that I would actually, actively follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raised your hand, and, you, and maybe for you this is the very first time, can I just tell you, this is why we exist as a church. We exist, we wanna see people brought into the kingdom of God, into the family of God, into Christ's forgiveness. And uh, what an incredible thing. You could do several things that would help me, but it would also honestly help you in the connection card that Pastor Megan talked about earlier. At the very bottom, it says, my next step. Go ahead and check that box that says, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe for you, this was just uh, reaffirming your relationship with Christ. You've already you know, asked Jesus to come into your life, but today was just kind of a, man, I need to reaffirm that. Go ahead and, and check that. And as you leave this morning, there'll be people with buckets you can stick these uh, cards in those buckets. Um, and then also, we have prayer partners that are going to be available at the front. Make sure to come to them and just 
at the end as everyone else is leaving, you come to the front and they would love to pray with you. And, and maybe you don't know how to articulate it. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer at the end. They would love to be able to pray with you. And then finally, and I, I want to pray, pray uh, before Pastor Aaron comes for us now, for giving others. God, a few moments ago, we took some silent time. And maybe you brought some people to our minds that we need to forgive. God, would you give us the audacity and the tenacity and the courage and the power to be able to release those people who have hurt us? And God, I recognize that sometimes this happens multiple times throughout a day. That I've got to keep making that choice to release. So God, that we would have the power to do that. God, for some of us in this room, it's probably going to require a conversation with a trusted, mature, godly friend to, to unpack some of those things. God, give us the courage to have those conversations this week. Someone that we trust that we can say, just would you pray with me? Would you help me through this? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.